We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 103. We have got a very special episode for you this time. Clint Frazier, you all know who he is. He will be joining us in just a few minutes. Scott, we just wrapped up an interview with him, and it was freaking awesome. Yeah, I tell you, it was so much fun when just looking back now and while we were in the middle of it, you can tell that this guy just gets it. He He's uh, he's very laid back, extremely laid back, and he's he's pretty much an open book. I mean, he's a lot of fun to talk to. You can tell that he appreciates the fans and he wants he wants all of our, you know, the, the Yankees fan base to get to know who he is because he's got confidence in himself and he knows he's going to be around for a while. So it was a really fun conversation. Yeah, we talked about a ton of stuff anywhere from how his offseason is going, the instructional league that he was playing in, what it was like for him to get traded at the deadline, uh, his mindset going into that. He's told some fun stories about Reggie Jackson, which you and I were uh, got a pretty big kick out of because it touches on something that we talked about a few weeks ago we should um, tell them it, it touches on frozen yogurt of all things <laughs> i mean I, if you know if you listen to last week's episode and you heard i think it was last week when we read the review about the frozen yogurt i forget who it was you, you he even hit us up on twitter you gotta listen to this it's, it's unbelievable it's it's phenomenal and uh we talked about the world series he was obviously pulling for the indians he said he had a lot of friends on that team so he was pretty nervous watching that and then we we asked uh, we asked him some of the fan questions too. So all in all, a great interview. 
Um, if you guys are listening to this, make sure to go over to iTunes and give us a, a review and a rating. Uh, hopefully you you enjoy the episode. You give it five stars, and we want to keep uh, pumping up those ratings. So I, I continually, I am continuing to tweet those out, and uh, we'll read some of those next week. And we'll also get to some of the email questions uh, that you guys submitted for this week's episode. This is just going to be an uh, interview with Clint since it went about an hour. So we figure we'll just ha- have this week's episode be be our interview. But um, hope you guys enjoy it, and we'll talk to you next week. And now we're welcoming on Yankees prospect Clint Frazier. Clint, thanks for joining us. What's up? I'm just uh, hanging out at my friend's house right now, man. What about you? Uh, yeah, we heard on the on your way to your friend's house. I heard you hit some traffic. We were, were a little bit delayed here. But that's that's all good that you were able to join us. That Atlanta traffic is a bitch, huh? Yeah, man. It's uh, it's different. I just moved down here this month after uh, instructional league. I bought a house. I got two friends living with me out here, so. Uh, I'm in Athens, Georgia right now, so my uh, my old college town that I was supposed to go to, so, so uh, I'm going back there tonight. So you bought a house and you have two buddies living with you? Yeah, yeah, I bought a, I bought a house down in Buckhead, Georgia, if you ever heard of that. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty fun. Uh, yeah, I'm tough life you right got now, going. So. <laughs> it's pretty enjoyable. Now, you're from that area, right? You're from the Atlanta area? I'm I'm about an hour outside of Atlanta. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm ten minutes from the airport, so that helps a lot. So yeah, awesome. you you said the college you were supposed to go to. So it sounds like you're you're doing college just a couple years late. I'm I'm enjoying college without class. I'm <laughs> enjoying uh, all the good parts. Yeah, I've uh, made some friends down here, so it's pretty fun to keep coming back every now and then. Nice. That's funny because I did college without going to class too. It was uh, very similar. Yeah, look where it's led you. Yeah, look where it's led me. <laughs> so, how's the first off season as a New York Yankee going? It's good, man. Uh, you know, this year was a, a lot of change. So, for the season to you know come to an end and me to be able to come back home and kind of decompress and and kind of sit back and take in what happened this year. Um, it's been good. I mean, it was a lot of change for me. So for me to finally get some downtime and enjoy it with my friends and family is, is what I needed this year. So I think this is my favorite off season so far. Yeah. So you, you're with the Cleveland Indians, obviously now they just made the world series. So every fan in America knows about the Indians, but you, you get traded to the New York Yankees, the most famous franchise in sports. I mean, that's got to turn your life upside down right there. All of a sudden you've got people on Twitter, blowing you up uh prospects in the yankees organization are treated a little bit different than i think probably other organizations am i right yeah yeah i mean when i got traded it was completely unexpected i mean i had just gotten promoted to triple a my my roommate was bradley zimmer who was another top prospect for the indians and you know we started hearing that the the lucor deal with the brewers was was going to go through and both of us just kept checking our phone like seeing like hey one of us might be involved let's keep our phones on just in case and then they they said they traded the guys and neither one of us were in it we're like all right we made it let's go to sleep and i get up the next morning to go to the bathroom at like 8 40 in the morning i got a text from a good friend of mine and all it said was uh let's f and go and it's a screenshot of buster only's tweet uh saying i got traded and i was like what is that he called so you, me you like, found that on twitter or through a buddy rather than the organization yeah. So. Oh wow. my God! I can't imagine that. 
So then the farm director from the Indians called me shortly after. And then I was like, wow. You know, like I called my mom and was like, I just got traded. And she was like, no, you didn't. Like, I was like, I got traded. Like, you need to turn turn the TV on right now. I'm sports center. And uh, luckily at the time, my family was in uh, North Carolina watching me play. Uh, my agent was there. So I had all those people in place to, you know, kind of help me realize what just happened. So it was uh, definitely a unique situation to be in. Yeah, so that was your second go-around uh, as a minor leaguer at the trade deadline. What, is it just nervous energy the whole time for all the minor league guys during that time? Um, I didn't think it was that nerve-wracking. I mean, there was there was some stuff that started happening for, for me to kind of realize, like, there's a chance that I might get traded. Um like, for instance, uh, we had the coolest double-A coach in minor league baseball, if you ask me. Like, would let us hit BP and tank tops sometimes. So never had to wear, like, a BP top with a jersey on it. So as the trade deadline starts coming around, he starts saying, guys, we need to put the BP tops on for the numbers. And then, and he goes, don't worry, Fred, you're good. Like, everyone knows your hair. <laughs> so he, so then the Yankee scouts start showing up, and they're at every game. And I'm seeing the same ones there. And uh, he just he just starts preparing me. He's like, dude, we don't know what happened. It could happen. You never know what's going to happen in this situation. And he said, you're playing for all the organizations right now. I mean, scouts are coming out looking at guys. And I never thought it would be me. But when me and Bradley got promoted on the same day, that's when I was like, something's going on, man. Like, we just both got promoted at the same time. All these scouts are everywhere. And, and then it was me. So I was like whatever i mean i'm playing still so I'm so, good. so does that make it different for you when you know the scouts are in the stands and you're trying to to show off basically for another team and not one that's seen you the entire time you've been in the minors does that change your mindset at all in the, when you're when you're approaching your games no not for me i mean as the trade down trade deadline was coming to an end i i was struggling uh i don't i just lost my timing I just could not time pitches up, and I was more frustrated with my performance rather than worried on who was watching because uh, I started this season really hot, and then reality kicked in. I started to struggle. I felt like a, a human being for once, and I kind of went in this like blackout mode where I just didn't know what was going on, and uh, the trade deadline come, starts coming to an end, but I wasn't worried about other teams. I mean, at the time, I, was, I had a Cleveland Indian logo on my, my jersey. I wasn't really worried about anyone else. Um, just because you don't know. I mean, I'm not trying to be a, a GM and predict what's going to happen. Right. That's probably a good approach to take. Just worry about what you can control on the field and not try and worry about all that extra shit. Because I feel like you'd drive yourself crazy if you tried to follow along with what the organization was doing the entire time. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason that there's another guy that's a GM and I'm not a, a GM. I mean, I'm not trying to play his role. Uh, you never know. I mean, you think you know, and then you don't know. So it's it's a nerve wracking game if you if you let it be that way. Yeah. So not only for that, it's it's going to be a good approach taking that taking that type of uh, mental mental approach when you when you do get to the Yankees and you deal with the New York media and you're doing a lot of stuff. I mean, there are going to be things that are going to be coming at you. You know that. I mean, you, I'm sure everybody uh, you get prepped for the New York media and all those things, but you can only control what you can control. So. Um, I'm actually curious about how when you did get to that into that hole and you you said uh, this is the first time you really struggled in your career. How'd you how'd you end up coming out of it? I don't really think I ever came out of it. Really? Um, 
I, I don't think that I really found myself after the trade because there was times when I was like, I, I feel good. And then there was times where I was like, I'm not even a baseball player right now. Like that's how bad I look at the plate. And I think what made me struggle more was I started to press. I started to try things that I didn't do before and see if they would work. In reality, like I was too deep in the season to try and start new things. What I had done prior to this struggle was things that helped me be successful. And I kind of lost sight of that. Um, so when I pulled my hamstring again for the second time, I honestly think that was a good thing for me because it gave me a few Like I can't breathe right now. That's how much I'm, how much pressure I'm putting on myself to perform. It's not what other people were saying. It was just the the level of play I was used to, and I was I didn't feel like I could get back to that because I was going out of my way to do new things. And once the playoffs came around, I started to hit again. I started to you know get a little hot towards the end of it and and feel like myself again. Yeah. So let's talk about the playoffs. I mean, you guys won. You come over to a new organization and you're instantly put into the triple a championship that's got to be pretty unbelievable but what was it like in that locker room i mean you guys were without aaron judge gary sanchez rob ref snyder was up in the majors as well i mean those are three key guys they were all performing at the major league level um how you know what was the atmosphere like in the minor league uh locker room and you guys seem to just keep winning even without those guys it was a a very relaxed environment. You know, that started with our manager, Al Padrique. I mean, he he knows what he's doing. He knows how to handle an environment like that. A lot of guys have played in the big leagues before, so he he made showing up to the field a fun experience but a work experience. He, he found a way to combine those two and, and make sure that we enjoyed the day. And, you know, when we lose those guys, it, it sucks. But, dude, it felt like we had guys that just, like, filled roles when they left I was like I, I don't know where these guys are coming from I've never even seen them play before like they're coming up from double a and I was like I don't know who this is but he balls man like so it was just like these guys that didn't have the prospect title that Aaron Judge and all of them had and they they were really good like I don't know how to explain it man this is the best organization and group of guys I've ever seen so far all together so you guys win the championship. What's the celebration like? Man, we had so many celebrations. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I can't even drink any wine right now because it have the smell of the champagne like <laughs> embedded in that smell. Like that's how much champagne we popped over the course of the season. But um, it was fun. I mean, it was just a group of guys that, you know, deserved every bit of the success, the success that they had during the season. I mean, I wasn't there through the whole thing, but a lot of guys were so – to kind of put the cherry on top of their season for them was was a sweet experience to be a part of. I mean, I got three rings this year. The double-A team I was with won it all. The triple-A team won it, and then we won the national championship. So overall, I was surrounded by a lot of really good players. So it was a, a really fun experience. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you came from an organization that ended up in the World Series, and you went to an organization that has World Series aspirations every year. And like you just said, you – ended up with three rings. Um, you know, were any of the guys that uh, any of the, you know, Gary Sanchez or uh, uh, Tyler Austin, Aaron Judge, they give you a call after you guys won or have you seen them since? 
Uh, I've seen Judge. Uh, he was down in Tampa when I was there for Instruction League, and uh, I was more curious to talk to him about his big league, big league experience. I mean, that's everybody's goal. So I just kept asking a lot of questions on, you know, what the transition was like and, you know, uh, how he's feeling with the, the injury that he was going through. But, I mean, I played against Tyler Austin in high school, so him and I are not too far from oh, each no other. Oh, no shit, and, huh? Wow. Yeah, Tyler was a senior and I was a freshman. So I got to see Tyler when he was younger and uh, got to be around through the, the cancer struggle that he had too. I mean, so we're not too far from each other. We're only, I think on a map, we're only probably 15 miles from each other. Wow. So uh, Scott and I were at the game that Judge and Austin debuted and hit those back-to-back home runs. And I saw you tweet about it. Uh, what was it, you know, what was it like watching that? That was one of the crazier debuts for in MLB history, I'm sure. It was awesome, man. I mean, the way that I look at it is Tyler Austin's a really good guy. I mean, you to see kind of what he's gone through, kind of knowing his uh, high school background when I was around during that time, and to to see all the stuff that he's gone through in his minor league career to to get to this point and, and have that kind of jump start to his career in the big leagues was was awesome. I mean, I was I was really happy for him, and you know. Aaron Judge is like the scariest looking guy ever, but he's the <laughs> nicest guy I've ever met. Um, so to see two guys come into the league and and show guys what they can do right off the bat was was awesome. I mean, they they deserve everything that they have come their way that enables them to have success. You're talking about the instructional league and going down to Tampa and working out with some of these guys. What else were you know? Tell us a little bit more about that instructional league, and I mean, obviously, you're picking Judge's brain about the you know his experience from going from Scranton to the Bronx, or what else? What else were you guys doing down there? And you know, what other I guess Yankee alumni were was was there helping you? You know, coaching you up and and, and doing all those things, working with the younger guys. Uh, so I think for me, it was more of a let's get to know this guy a little bit, kind of see what he uses in his everyday routine, and and just to you know, kind of see what kind of player he is up close. I mean, there was a lot of guys that came through uh, Scranton when I was there in that short period of time, and there was a ton that I didn't get to meet. So, um, you know, I think I was there to kind of develop some relationships and just let these guys, you know, what I, know what I like to do. So, uh, you know, I got to meet Alex Rodriguez, um, Andy Pettit, Alfonso Serrano, Hideki Matsui. Uh, I knew Swisher from the past, but he was down there. And uh, – Probably the coolest one was Reggie Jackson. So, I mean, I got to be pretty close with, with Reggie towards the end of it. Uh, him and I were hitting in the cage every single day. Um, it's actually like a, a weird, funny story. I mean, I, I, they, I was starting to get frustrated towards the end of instruction. Like, I think I was just more of a – I still was not putting the, the results together that I wanted. And I was just like, dude, this is just ridiculous. I don't know what's going on. Um Reggie pulls me aside and says, you're riding back with me. You're not riding the bus. And I was like, all right, like, I don't know what this is going to be, but I'll do it. And I get in his car and we're just, we're just talking and he stops and we get frozen yogurt. And I was like, I'm in my full uniform still. So it was like a, a little kid showing up to the field in his uniform and, you know, Reggie's walking around and we're getting frozen yogurt and we just ride back. And I was like, how many other guys get to say they got frozen yogurt with Reggie Jackson? Like, 
it is so weird you just said that because that is incredible i'm so happy you just said we that. uh we've been pubbing our uh itunes rankings and we want people to comment on the show and a couple of weeks ago we got a comment of someone saying he met reggie jackson once and it was he was angry because the the stand at the stadium they were at didn't have frozen yogurt all they had was ice cream and he got pissed <laughs> off at the people so this dude really yeah. does love frozen yogurt oh dude he loves it. I mean, he's a Reggie's an animal. I mean, he <laughs> he's one of my favorite people. I mean, the guy is he's he's so full of knowledge in every way. And you know, to to get to experience kind of that one on one action with him is is good. I mean, he he's he's the best. And uh, I was very thankful to you know kind of get to pick his brain on a personal level and and you know just be around him every day. That's awesome. I mean, that's that says something about you too. Obviously, I mean, Reggie Reggie saw something and and uh, singled you out to come ride with him. So he obviously sees a lot of promise. Um, that's awesome. We we had actually when you got traded right after you got traded, I spoke with uh, Jim Fander, the Double A GM in Akron, and he was talking about, uh, you know, just what a how how all about baseball. That was one of the biggest things I think the the takeaway was just that baseball is life for you. I mean, is that is that still the case? I mean, obviously. You know, you're a, you're a young guy coming up through the system, and there's distractions everywhere. But it seems like your head is like just completely in the books of the game of baseball. Yeah, I mean, so when I was younger, obviously I loved playing the game, and I'm still trying to continue to keep that same fire and desire for the game. You know, I mean, it's it's anytime I start to get frustrated, I try to think to myself like how much fun I used to have when I was a kid playing this game and if I can emulate that feeling again and not take it as a job and just still go out there and, and have fun. I mean, my part of my goal is this is I'm put in a position to where I can impact people's lives. And that's not just on the field. It's, it's off the field as well. And kind of the, the title that I have from the hometown that I'm from has enabled me to kind of reach out to some people who, you know, might've needed something at the time and, and, and help them. And, you know, one of my goals is to retire my family when I'm done. I mean, I my family went through a lot of struggles with, uh, you know, financial stuff, and they're they're hurting for money. And you know, I'm in a position to where I can, you know, kind of be that backbone and still get them through some bills that they need to pay. So my goal is to probably hand over my first year salary to them and just say, "Look, you're good. Like I I've got you." That's awesome. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's obviously a, a an awesome goal it's a great goal and i'm sure not every player your age and your your skill level is thinking that way and i'm sure you're thinking like that will go a long way have you had any conversations with uh, any of the guys maybe you met in instructional league reggie jackson or a-rod about that whole thing and being able to manage that not getting too far ahead of yourself um you know not not with a-rod me and him just had a brief conversation he was in and out um yeah, he had to go do TV. But, yeah, he was he was on to other things. But uh, you know, Reggie and I, you know, we talked about some personal things with him and some personal things with myself, and you know, kind of to uh, live in the moment and you know not think too far ahead. I mean, my I'm trying to keep my my mind and my body in the same same line right now. I'm not trying to get one ahead of the other. So um, I've got to get to the big leagues first and. You know, I'm. That's a goal of mine. I got to get to the big leagues to be able to impact my family the way that I want to. So when that does happen, I'll 
I'll be able to accomplish another goal of mine. And just talking about that, you, you know, obviously now nowadays with all the social media and every like all the access we have to you guys as uh, minor league ball players, and we kind of touched on this, but when we had Ref Snyder on, he was talking about how how crazy it is the the fanfare and like how everybody knows everything about you before you even get to the big leagues. Like, is is there a lot of pressure with that? I mean, just even getting there, you're getting you know you're getting put up, and, and everybody's talking about what can happen, what will happen, what should happen. I mean, even before you step foot on the field in, in Yankee Stadium. Um, you know, I think pressure is what you allow it to be. And I'm not worried about filling somebody else's shoes right now. So what I mean by that is I'm trying to fill my own shoes. I'm trying to be the best that I can be. And, you know, when Andrew Miller was pitching, my Twitter just blew up every day. I mean, people are tweeting me saying, if you're not the next Mickey Mantle, <laughs> we, waste, we wasted Andrew Miller. And I'm yeah, thinking, no pressure, kid. Jesus. But, yeah, but I took that – it was funny to me. I was like, these guys are grown men, like, <laughs> like chirping at me when I'm in my off season right now. Like, there's a, it's, it's like an honor to be traded for that guy. You shouldn't be trying to like put pressure on me. Um, but I'm not worried about filling the role of what people expect me to be. I'm worried about being the best player that I can be. And I'm a human being. I'm going to go through struggles. I'm going to be terrible at times. But it's it's how I get out of that. I mean, I'm not going to let other people affect the way that I go in the field and and play tentatively. I mean, I'm not or not tentative. Play like a nervous player. So I'm going to you know continue to just kind of shut out that that part or the negative distractions and just continue to play my game. Yeah, I mean that's a good way to handle it. I mean, what Andrew Miller was doing in the postseason was legendary, and yes, there was plenty of Yankee fans pissed off that the Yankees traded him because of what he was doing for Cleveland and what Chapman was doing for Chicago. I mean, they were both in the World Series, but but you got we we're thinking long term here for the Yankees, and obviously there's going to be some idiots on social media who will chirp you. Um, as soon as you were traded, Brian Cashman you know, sort of talked about you and he said that he was really impressed with your bat speed. And one of the things that allows you to do that is your massive forearms. You got any tips for me to like get better forearms? Because mine are not nearly as huge as yours. <laughs> so, so I've got no tips. Um, <laughs> it's just natural, all natural. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing with me is I didn't start to like. I tell my friends in this all the time. <clears throat> I don't look in the mirror and see what they see. I look at myself every day and I, and I see just, I don't think I'm big. I really don't like, I don't look in the mirror and think I'm this jacked guy. Like people uh, put me out to be. Um, so I didn't start to notice like one, I didn't notice how long my hair got till people started saying it. And I was like, Holy shit. Like my hair is long or how big my forms were until people kept pointing it out. So like what I see in the mirror every day is not what other people are seeing. So I just started to notice, like, once I got out, uh, basically in the Futures game, when people just kept pointing it out in pictures, like, someone made the comment that my my forearms are like watermelons with freckles on them. Uh, <laughs> so it was just like... It's a what, really good I description, mean, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I people keep saying the same thing over and over again. I'm probably going to, you know, realize there might be some truth to that. I mean, we saw your, we saw you change your, your uh, Instagram profile picture to, to that one that's just just glowing with your forearm. So come on, you know, you know, you know what it is. And you, have you seen the famous picture of, uh, there's a famous picture of Mickey Mantle where he throws his helmet back towards the, 
Have you seen that 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 picture? There's one of him, and that was one of the biggest things people would always talk about Mickey Mantle. Not to compare you by any means again. Yeah, we just but, talked about not comparing him. <laughs> I'm just comparing the pictures. I'm just comparing forearms. Can we do that? The uh, the dude had like these massive forearms, but but that you know we I think strength in your arms and your hands are directly directly relevant with your bat speed. I mean, it's just it's just it's science. <laughs> it's science. So I mean, you got to contribute your your strength, your upper body strength to that bat speed, right? Yeah, I mean, if you, I don't know if either of you have seen me in person, but I'm a, I'm not that big, so I'm not that tall. I mean, um, I think I'm. The internet says I'm six one. I'm not even close to that. Um, I'm five, five five ten, maybe maybe five eleven. That I might be pushing it. Uh, depends if my hair's out or not. Um, <laughs> but I I I attribute a lot of that to my weight room. Um, <laughs> routine i mean i i work out really hard and i look at the difference in a guy like aaron judge who has the height difference and he he has that leverage in his swing like i have to i feel like i have to create that leverage just by being strong you know what i mean like my strength is a big part of my part of my game so i i don't want to take that for granted all right i'm gonna ask this question now it's from a fan because it's super relevant it's from uh sock therapy on twitter he says who's stronger clint Frazier or Aaron Judge. And I and I'll just go with who who's got better power at the plate. Aaron, man. Like, come on. That guy just hits he is effortless 450 foot home runs. Aaron uh, Judge is seven feet three, three hundred and fifty pounds, <laughs> solid muscle. I mean I, I'm almost if I remember correctly, we did a weigh-in and a body fat percentage when we were in triple a and i i want to say aaron was like six eight six seven 285 with like 12 percent body fat and and that is the biggest human being i've ever seen i mean i don't even know where that 12 percent came from it doesn't he doesn't have an ounce of fat when you look at him he's huge yeah i mean so. he's a he's a tight end in a baseball player's body i mean it he belongs on an nfl field that's what he looks like yeah when we were in tampa he was uh he was on a treadmill, and the tread the way that the treadmill was set up in the locker room was it was behind the lockers, like the very back, because they're they're readjusting uh, the weight room size. I'm pretty sure the minor league weight room is going to be like 5,500 square feet at the oh, sta- stadium. So they put a bunch of stuff like in the back part of the locker room, and he's running on the treadmill, and you can see his head and it's like his upper body over the lockers in the back. And I was like, golly, dude, this guy is huge. So we have a we have a really good idea that I think would be perfect for spring training. We're going to be down there for, I don't know, a week or so. I, I think we should do. I don't know if you remember or if you've even seen not remember because it was way before my time, before all of anybody's time who's listening to this. But they used to have those home run derbies with like Mickey Mantle and and with, uh, you know, some of those old school guys. And they would do the the home run derby and then someone would go and they would do an interview and there was nobody in the stands. They're all black and white. We want to do a home run derby with you and Aaron Judge, but do it with wiffle ball. I think it'd be perfect. Yeah, yeah, dude. I, I can put on a home run derby. Don't worry about that. I might be able to hold my own in that category. Oh, here we go. We so you, you, would, be, pitcher, you would beat Aaron Judge then? You would beat Judge in a home run derby? It just depends on if we're – so Aaron and BP likes to make targets on the field. Um mm-hmm. So he likes to go center field to right field and BP for home runs. If you're going to do a home run derby, 
Um, if he takes out the 500-foot home run I have to hit to hit it to center field in Scranton, I can beat him. Um, if he makes me go to right field every time, I can't do it, dude. That guy can – I just – he just has stupid power the other way. Uh, I think I can pull more home runs than him, yes, MVP. Well, I guess I think if, we're, if we're going oppo, yeah, Tyler Austin's got to be in that conversation. Oh, yeah. Winning it was a derby always, that way. Yeah, yeah it, so Tyler and Aaron would do a home run derby to opposite field, and I would just have my own to left field. Um, and this one, and what we're going to do, it's wiffle ball. It does not matter how the ball gets out. It just matters if it gets out. Yeah. Yeah, set it up. Nice. Perfect. Beautiful. Um, all right, I want to talk about the World Series. I know you were watching because I saw you posting about it. Uh, that's probably the craziest game, that Game 7, that I've ever watched, and I've been watching baseball for a long time. Uh, what were your thoughts on that game? Um, I was nerve- nervous, man. I was like, Geez, like I'm not even in this game, and I'm like thinking this game is in a, in a rain delay, and I can't like I, I'm barely breathing. Uh, but it was it was fun. I mean, I have a lot of relationships with the guys that were on that roster with the Indians, so to see them in that situation, and you know, I, I don't even know how to put it into words for them. It's it was very fun to watch because I had ties with people there and because I was with that organization. So to, to see the emotions that both team had uh, after one, one and one loss is that it shows you how much of your life you pour into that game. I mean, it's, it's a heartbreaker. So I felt kind of heartbroken for the team and, and I wasn't even in the game. So for me to kind of watch that game was awesome because I don't watch much baseball. I don't, really care to sit down and watch a game. I mean, I, I play it every day and I don't really have much interest in watching it outside of the, the season. That's interesting. Uh, I, Derek Jeter was the same way. I remember reading something about him uh, and compared him and A-Rod, whereas A-Rod would watch West Coast games after he was finished playing and, and Jeter would go home and not even have a TV, never mind turn it on. So it's kind of interesting you say you don't watch much uh, baseball. So, so now, you're, now you're comparing him to Mickey Mantle and Derek Jeter? Yes, nice. that's right. Yeah, Not Good putting job. pressure on him at all. Zero pressure. Um, you mentioned the rain delay, probably the craziest timed rain delay in baseball history. But apparently Jason Hayward gave an epic speech that motivated his team. Have you ever been a part of a, an awesome clubhouse speech or have you ever given one? Um. I've never been a part of a professional one, but in high school we had some uh, some pretty gnarly speeches um, from some older guys when I was a freshman and sophomore, but obviously not on the same level of the World Series speech. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think we could really compare to that. But, you know, it says a lot about Jason Hayward for the fact that his season probably didn't go the way that he wanted to, and he, he still rallied his team and – let them know that they were the best team on the field at the time. So Rizzo pocketed the ball, the last out. It's a historic ball, probably worth a couple million bucks. 2017 World Series, you catch the final out, out in the outfield. What are you doing with it? I don't know if you watched the national championship when I was in it, but I actually threw the final out away. I threw it to a girl. So uh, <laughs> World Series I'm, is, is, is a little bit different. Ball. I'm going to hold on to the next one yeah. if I do it. Uh, yeah, but I don't think Rizzo will ever sell that ball. Um, he doesn't need the money, and I, I don't think I would throw that ball away. I think I would have a little more common sense next time. 
Yeah, I think he actually gave it to Cubs ownership. I think I read that. So yeah, that one that one's going to either you know some kind of a Hall of Fame or Wrigley Field in in between uh, bulletproof glass. So that one's going to a safe place. Um. All right, we got some. Let's. Uh, we got some fan questions. We got some more. Uh, more fun questions for you. First up, is the word ginger derogatory? Uh, I think people think it is, but I don't really care. I think at this point in time, when I'm in the outfield or at the plate and people are calling me a ginger and think that it offends me, uh, it doesn't. So not anymore. Maybe when I was 12 years old with a crazy temper, it would, but not now. Yeah, I mean, you seem to be embracing it. I, I know you were uh, – I saw one of the hashtags Red Thunder as soon as you were traded, so that seems to be like you're embracing it. Yeah, I mean, the way that I look at it is my red hair is marketable, and there's only – I don't even know how many redheads in the big leagues, but it's <laughs> – I'm going to be that redhead laughing to the bank if Big Red comes through in the future. <laughs> That's awesome. Is that – is that Red Thunder, is that one that has stuck with you for a while? Is that a what's, – what's the nickname that – that, I don't know, for a lack of a better word, that you endorse, which is which is the one you like? Um, I, I had a hundred in Scranton, man. I had, I no one called me Red Thunder. I'd never come out and be like, I'm Red Thunder. <laughs> I just I just joked about it on Twitter. But in Scranton, uh, they called me Cinnamon, uh, Paprika, um, basically, or they called me Red, Ginger. I mean, anything that had to do with Red, that was my nickname. Um, but I don't know if I am going to take on Red Thunder because that nickname was not given to me by the Yankees fan base. Um, it was the Indians fan base that called me that. So I don't know if I hold on to that or if I embrace the nickname that the Yankees fans want to give me. Now, we got to get something going. We'll, we'll start. We'll ask for some fan uh, thoughts on Twitter and we'll get a good one for you. There we go. Um, so have about your hair, has has the Yankees talked to you about cutting it? I know that's a, a rule with the organization. Um, so when I got traded, my hair had been growing out for over a year, I think. No, not even. My hair grows really fast. So the year was in it was in September. So it would have been la uh, like, what, two months ago that it was a year. So I hadn't cut it in almost a year. And when I did, I think I cut – about four inches of it off and I knew that it wasn't going to last and they came to me again and like you need to cut more so I cut I think I cut four or five off again so I've cut almost a, a foot of hair off I mean, I'm at like nine or ten inches I think uh now I do know that going into spring training I've got to figure out a, a haircut that doesn't step on toes um it's a good way of putting it if you're looking for reference material, just go back and Google Don Mattingly because Mattingly actually had some decent, decently long hair with with the stash. So if there's a if there's a bar to be set, and Mattingly was the captain of the Yankees at the time, I mean his hair was it was not short. He had some long hair uh, when he was playing. So it's not, and this this is when you know the boss was around. So that was uh, probably the most the most uh, crucial time when when they were really abiding by those rules. So there's there's definitely a precedent sent by Mattingly. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing with me is I'm not trying to individualize myself on that field. Um, I'm not trying to be the guy that says, look at me, look at me. But in a way, I am embracing the color of my hair because it is a unique color. And um, But I am with a new organization. I do understand the policy they have. And I know how 
long it's been going on. I don't know the exact date, but it's been going on for a long time. So I'm not going to be the first guy that tries to fight that. Um, I'll cut my hair to whatever length they need me to. Yeah, that dates back to the Casey Stengel days. So you're probably not going to be able to to pry them away from that. But do you remember Ben Gamble when he got called up? He had hair that was still pretty decently long. So I think you can get away with that. Yeah, I think just the difference in mine and Ben Gamble's hair is mine is it pops out more. It's really big, man. It's bushy. You've got more volume. Yeah, way more volume and the color jumps out at you more. So that's the thing. I don't want to let my hair get bigger than my game. So I'm going to kind of uh, harness that. It is It is kind of a shame that Gamble got traded when he did because we had a really good shirt. I don't know if you've seen it on our website, but we have a fan shop and a lot of different T-shirts and things. And we had one that was about to come out called Flow Bros. And it was uh, it was beautiful. I mean, it was we had both your hair on there, and it was a, it was a really good shirt. So it's a, it's a damn shame he got traded. Not only is he a great player, but he had some phenomenal hair as well. Yeah, I mean, he was my roommate in Scranton, so it was uh, it was fun to live with him. He's a really good guy. Um, so you you talked about your your red hair, your fair skin. Is it difficult playing an outdoor summer sport with that type of fair skin? No, I mean, I get burned to a certain extent, but not not crazy. What SPF um, are you using? I haven't worn sunscreen since I was a little oh my kid. God. So. Um, during spring training, I'll probably be rocking the long sleeves a lot just because that is... Yeah, it's hot down there. <laughs> that is a hot area, man. So, um, But once the regular season gets going, I don't, I don't wear much uh, sleeves on my arms. I mean, I like to kind of go without the long sleeves because I, I don't get burned that much. See, Andrew, one thing I don't think you realize is that I have, uh, I have a lot of freckles, and freckles are in my family. Freckles protect you. They protect you from the sun. It's, a, it's, it's like having SPF on your body. It's perfect. How would I realize that, Scott? I'm saying you don't realize that. That's the thing. Uh, I was reading a story today. It, it was like one of those Chuck Norris stories. It was talking about your workout uh, routine. And it said at 14 years old, you did 142 straight push-ups. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. How many do you think you could do now? Oh, I, can, I can't do 140. I haven't, try, I haven't trained for it. Um, I can do over 100 straight probably right now. I mean, I did... I did 75 easy the other night. I actually just worked out for the first time, and I was pretty surprised at where I was at. So um, maybe I'll try to beat it one day. Maybe it could be a, a competition for myself. Isn't it kind of showing off just doing 142 push-ups? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, 100%. I mean, it was just a, it was a thing when I was in middle school. Um, it was like a physical fitness test. Um so I was going for the record. I mean, my friend at the time did like a hundred straight or something. He's a huge kid, just strong as can be. And I remember being like, I'm going to break his. So, I mean, I kept going and I somehow did it. I don't know. It was at a lot lighter weight. I've put on about 40 pounds since high school. So this is the, the presidential fitness awards, right? Yeah. I never got presidential though. I was sit, too sit and reach. I couldn't. Yeah. I never could. Man, we're, look at that. So we, we have something in common. Sit and reach was the only thing that would keep me away. I was so not flexible. Yeah, it's, it's, it sucks. I don't have a damn clue what you guys are talking about. I knew exactly. Sit and reach is a tough one, man. If, you're, if, you, can't, uh, if you can't touch your toes or beyond your toes, you're not getting oh. that presidential fitness award. Yeah, well, then I'm not either. Um, 
<laughs> are you familiar with John Sterling's home run calls? Is he the current guy? Yeah, he's right the now. radio broadcaster. For he, radio. Yeah, he has a home run call for everyone. Um, I'm not 100% with that. Um, I don't know if that'll piss some people off hearing that. But uh, all I know is I heard the guy that was saying Gary Sanchez is home run every day. So I don't know if that's the same guy. <laughs> yeah, that's. I think it's it was definitely is. him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, him. I'm very familiar with that because I just watched all of his home runs tonight, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, we actually put together a montage of all of his home runs. Just He's an animal. Um, yeah. But what do you think his home run call will be for you? I don't even know, man. That's... <laughs> It's going to be interesting. I think that's a – I don't know if he like preps that out. Oh, he 100% does. I, I have a theory he has an intern writing them for him. Oh, yeah. Then I, I can't even imagine what that's going to be. Um, it's probably going to be something with my hair incorporated into it. Uh, yeah. Or, a color scheme, like red goes deep or something. I don't know. I, I mean, was I thinking of something along the lines of the famous boxing call with down goes Frazier. He might, he might yeah, pull that Yeah, it out. might be – it might be deep goes Fraser. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Oh, I Who like knows? that. Might be a, I think that might be it. T- that might be a t-shirt idea too. Who knows? Deep <laughs> goes Frazier. Yeah, that's a perfect John Sterling call right there. Um, so I we talked about it before we started recording, but uh, we have to ask, uh, did you ever hear back from Jen Selter? Yeah. Um, I actually messaged her a few times. Um you know, I reached out to her and I, I apologized to her just by saying I didn't know the amount of attention that this would bring to it because that's what we did blow up. And a lot of people said a lot of negative things about myself that were involving in, involving her name. Um, but I, I reached out to her. I told her I was sorry and she was like, no big deal. It's, it's not that bad. And then she asked me for tickets in the front row of oh, the game. There you go. Uh so, so you've got I the end now. I don't think she knew I was in AAA. So uh, <laughs> maybe I'll reach out to her and tell her I was just rehabbing or something, and I can get her tickets next year. Yeah, wait. She's like, the... she's like, yeah, she's like, wait. These tickets say they're in Scranton, Pennsylvania. What? Yeah, what? there's a they do. There's a hundred percent chance I'm reaching out to her again when I make it. I swear. Yeah, yeah. Just wait till you get the call. But then put her with the bleacher creatures. Oh, I'm gonna put her wherever she wants. She's she's perfect. <laughs> Um, all right, so let's get into some fan questions. Uh, we'll do these pretty quickly. Uh, this one comes from Joe's McFly. He says, everyone has all these goals for you, but what are your expectations for yourself? And let's just say for 2017. Um, I think overall I want to be healthy. I was tired of rehabbing the same injury on my hamstring. Um, just kind of a couple of freak ways that I pulled it this year that I didn't expect to happen. So one, be healthy two, be consistent, and three, make it to the big leagues. Um, you know, I want to go up there and I want to help the team win. I want to be a part of the Yankees organization. I want to get out of a minor league jersey for once. So to uh, to play in the big leagues, healthy, and be consistent. Next one, uh, next one is from uh, Jason Grenda. Is at Grenda84. He said, where are you most comfortable defensively, center field or left field? Uh, center field. I'm more comfortable there. I don't have as much experience in left field, but my best guess is left field's probably going to be where I end up. I've uh, spent a lot of time there in the last couple months of the season, so I don't know if that's just where teams or the, where the front office sees me playing or or not. I can't predict that, but I know that 
what they were doing was trying to overall make me a more complete player. So I, I can play all three positions if, if that is ever a, a need by the team. All right, this next one comes from Sammy DeBull, and he says, what is the strangest autograph request you've ever had? Oh, God. Um, Anyone ask to sign sign their tits or something? It's probably from him, man. I know exactly who that guy is. (laughs) No way. Does he wear wear an orange wig? 77, that's his Twitter name. Uh, Yeah, yeah, (laughs) he he asked me to sign a hockey puck, Um, and I was really confused. but most of all, it's been, it's been just when you signed 500 cards for me by people. Or can I follow you to your car? I mean, I've had some of the strangest stories, but he gave me a hockey puck. I know exactly who this guy is. He's a, he's a big fan. He's, he's loyal. So What the hell is he going to do so, with a hockey puck signed by you? I don't know, man. He's, he's, a, he's probably he's got a, a whole closet full of hockey pucks signed by random people. <laughs> yeah, no, no, he's, did he ask you to a, sign a baseball or a glove or anything? Uh, I signed a bunch of stuff for him already. I mean, I signed pictures. I think I signed a pack of Big Red chewing gum for him, uh, <laughs> baseball cards. But he's he's a loyal guy, dude. I mean, he comes to all the areas that I'm playing at, so I can't I can't nice. rip a guy for being a fan of me. Nice. No, that's good. And he obviously set that question up because he knew we were going to ask it, and he knew he was talking about himself. Good for yeah, you. He, he won it. Yeah, Sammy, that was that was a that was a win. Good job, man. Uh, next one, I'm going to read two in a row, actually. They're, they're pretty similar. This one's from uh, Mark Andrew and M. Word on Instagram. He said, what is your biggest change coming for, uh, for you coming to the Yankees organization, good and the bad? And then what are the differences between the Yankees and the Indians farm system? Um, I think the biggest difference is the, um, the way that they expect you to act in a way of meaning like hold yourself to a higher standard. So everyone in the Yankees organization is a is a very let's be as respectful as we can, meaning like clean the face up, uh, make sure the hair is good, um, run out every single ball the right way. Um, it's just really holding them to the higher standard. Um, and those were different things for me because I kind of got away from maybe not playing the game right sometimes when I was with the Indians. And the so a quick story is I my first game at Instructs. I was one minute late to stretch and got benched during instructs. And I was like, I cannot believe I just got benched at an instructs game. And my thing was, I haven't done a team stretch in two and a half years because you get to stretch on your own once you get to the higher levels. And, and I didn't know that. So that was the standard that they held us to was you have to be on time for stretch. And I got benched the first day. So, um, you're not going to make that mistake again. (laughs) No, no. I mean, it was, it was just, uh, I think it was, uh, let's single this guy out because I was the highest level player there. I was the new guy, one of the older ones. So um, it's it's whatever. I mean, I should have been on time. But uh, I think the, the good and the bad was, maybe the bad was I tried a little too hard to impress certain people. Um, you know, tried to let them know that I was there uh, by trying to hit a 500 for a home run every single time. And that's not the way I should play the game. That's not the way I did earlier in the year. And the good is the the fact that I'm still playing. Um, I'm on a team that is very good. The team, you know, seems to really like me and has faith in me to be a an impact player in the future. And the amount of guys that they put around me to be successful. I mean, the resources that they have are amazing. Uh, 
they're they're like no other. So I can't complain with either organization. They do do things differently. One, you know, helped me a lot along the way to get to where I am now. So, you know, I, I love both of them. All right, last question is from Alan Tobin, and he asks if you were aware of the Yankees situation when you were traded, and that situation being that they're building for the future. And uh, did you ever think about where you might fit into that future? I don't. What do you mean by that? Like, was I aware of their restructure, restructuring? Yeah, yeah restructure, retooling, rebuilding, whatever you want to call it. No, I had no idea. I mean, I didn't know a lot about the Yankees. Um, wanting to kind of trend towards the younger generation um, until they made that trade. Then you're sitting back and you're thinking, these guys are serious. You know, they're they're trying to get back to all those world championships that they won before this. So, and the game is trending in a, a younger era. So, um, and one, dude, they have the money to, to go out and buy whoever they want when the time comes. So yep. they can build a core of, guys that are already in the system and build up from that and then buy some, you know, potential key players. That's, that's, that's a good thing for them. Yeah. And that's got to get you excited for what's to come in the next few years, because I know you've, you've probably been joking about it when you're tweeting about the Yankees, the next, you know, we're going to be celebrating soon. Uh, You probably were saying that in jest, but there's probably a little part of you that's also serious and excited about that. Yeah, no, I'm 100% serious. I'm, these guys are good. You look at this lineup right now, and, and I think to myself, where am I going to fit in? Because all these guys are so good. I mean, the younger guys that are already there are really good. I mean, Greg Bird's going to be back. Uh, you know, the season that Didi had this year, Gary. Um, you know, Judge is going to you know be healthy next year. Tyler's going to be good. It's just a really good group of guys, and the pitching staff is – in uh, Triple A that I was with was really good too. Like uh, you know Chad Green, Severino, uh, like Montgomery, uh, all of these guys that they have coming up through the system. I mean they have a lot of tools that they can you know use for their arsenal right now. So I, I do believe that this team's gonna you know compete for a long time when everyone gets there. Is this is this the conversation that that some of you guys have about now that you're in the organization, you do know the situation of what's going on. Um, I mean, and I'm sure you have heard about the the 20 year anniversary of '96. I mean, that team was very much structured similar to what you just described, where you you build a core group of uh, young guys in the system, and then the Yankees, with the the power and the money that they have, are able to go out and and find those free agents that that fit very well. And honestly, that's how that '96 through 2000 2001 era was built. I mean, it was built from the ground up, and then they added those key players. Does that conversation ever come about with you guys as young guys, like looking around and just being excited? Um, you know, obviously everyone knows that, you know, we're going we're gonna to compete for a long time. And, and guys didn't really start to talk about that until um, instructs with me. At least I didn't hear many people talk about that. So the biggest thing for for Instruction League was they kind of set the foundation of we are going to be the best at everything that we do so we can compete for a championship. And, you know, they harped on it every single day. Like, I just remember the – I had never seen a lot of these guys because a lot of them were like low A, high A. Um, some were double A guys and instructs. And we kicked everybody's asses, dude. I mean, it was not even – 
it wasn't even a competition. I mean, the way that we walked to the field was like, we're about to come in and we're about to beat the shit out of y'all. And we did it. I think we lost two games in all of instructs and the rest, I think we were like 14 and two or something. I mean, it was just the group of guys that we have. Everybody knows their, their town and everybody knows that, you know, we're going to be playing in the big leagues one day. It's just going to be who's going to be on that field and, and how are we going to win? That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, we know Yankee fans are excited for not only you, but all of the, the youth movement. We were, like I said, we were in the stadium that first day. Judge and Austin were there, and it was definitely electric. Um, Clint, thank you so much for the time you've given. This was awesome. Um, Scott, you got any last words for, for our man here? No, I'm pumped up, man. Appreciate you uh, you taking the time. We're looking forward to you uh, to watching you grow and being a part of the team in the Bronx. All right, guys. Thank you for having me. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees.